Hello and welcome to the latest episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. If you notice a slight somber disposition in my voice, it's because Chelsea have lost 5-2 to West Bromwich Albion, just in case you don't know. So that's what we're going to talk about today, that and other topics, including Chelsea's upcoming Champions League game against Porto, which will hopefully go better than this. So today we've got uh, we've got quite an extensive panel uh, outside of uh, my usual co-host, Mr. Jimmy Funnel. Um, we've got a couple of members from the We Ain't Got No History community, which is something we've done after a while. So hooray for that, but also <laughs> I wish it came, for, it came at a better time. So we've got two returning guests. One of them is Robert Hansen, formerly known as Simon Gabriel on the forums. So hello and uh, welcome back. Hello, glad to be back. This is exciting and fun. Yeah, yeah, and he's a he's a massive stat nerd, as everyone knows already. So uh, expect some more nerdy, hopefully, to help us make sense of it. And um, our other guest is Shiva, uh, whose username on We Ain't Got No History is Eternal Blue, also been around for a really long time. A returning guest on We Ain't Got No Podcast and a numbers man himself. So we've got we've got a couple of statos in today. So. Hi Shiva, and it's really good to have you back again. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. I mean, the last time I was on, it was you know, the world was still normal. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's it's good to be back, and hopefully the world will go back to normal soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully Chelsea will go back to normal as well. Uh, it's a, so it's a really good point. So much has happened over this past year with with the whole pandemic and. My God, sorry. That this is, these are the first words that I was speaking. I'm just in an all doom and gloom spot at the moment uh, for numerous reasons, and Chelsea's just one one of them. And that's thanks for that. We can yeah. destroy. Thanks for that. <laughs> it was um, yeah. Jimmy. How much do you hit Sam Allardyce at the moment? I, I mean, I saw you tweet that West Brom are an extremely unlikable bunch of players. And you hope they get relegated. So um, I assume you don't like them. Well, if they could get relegated twice, I'd take that as well. But generally, I'll be happy with them getting relegated to the championship and staying there forever. Because they just seem like to be like herpes. They keep coming back and you don't want them. It's just, it's, I, I cannot describe how much I detest that West Brom side. I've never liked them, never will. Um, and Sam Allardyce just embodies that the test of it i, I just nah, ah. and you know what's the worst I, I always try to be very down to earth uh, and realistic in my predictions and i was talking about yeah these are must win you know they're not that good uh, they are where they are for a reason and look at me now so that's it for positivity with me in predictions on the podcast never again Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we were all very optimistic um, at this time a few days ago. Uh, so, well, that, there's that. Let's uh, never be optimistic again. But anyway, um, let's start with let's start with you, Rob. Robert, what do you what do you make of um, the debacle? Um, well, you know, um, obviously, it's not our first international break. It's not our last international break. We should be used to them. But it definitely seems clear that this one had an impact. You know, and I think also the super early start, it was 4.30 my time. I don't know why I got up for it, but I did. Um, I think the combination of those two things, along with COVID and everything else, we just weren't ready. It looks like our players simply weren't ready. We probably took West Brom for granted. We came out, we just kind of ran through the motions early, made some really sloppy mistakes, and you know, the thing ran away from us. Um, you know, uh, you know, as we mentioned about stats, the thing that really scares the heck out of me, they had seven shots on target and scored five goals. That That's absurd, right? Um, and considering we've given up one goal since uh, two goals started, and this is, it's an abomination, it's an aberration, it's an anomaly, right? Uh, you just got to let it roll, to be honest. Um, can't let that kind of attitude happen again, but... I don't think we can put much stock into the result, to be honest, besides simply not being prepared. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, uh, as you said, it was one of those games that kind of 
what's on certainly on one side of variance, I suppose, with them scoring a lot of their shots. And um, Callum Robinson, who I thought could never really cut it as a Premier League striker. And it's my bold take that he still will not, but he always seems to score against us. So, you know, what the hell. Um, well, and don't forget, too, that shot that went off the bar right before the half as well. I mean, it could have yeah. been even worse, right? That, that one could have gone in. Could have, yeah. Definitely. And um, Shiva, how, how crucial do you think the red card was in the whole result? I mean, obviously, it's Thiago Silva, our um, captain, etc. But do you think uh, Chelsea should have definitely gotten something out of it either way? Because I know West Brom can be very hard to beat when uh, you're in game conditions like that. So... Just if it was a if it was maybe like a two one loss, would you have would you have felt less bad about it? No, I th- I think we could have gotten that result. I mean, even after, I think the sending off definitely people lost their heads. Um, like immediately after that, I just like the whole team completely fell apart. I, I it's like it has not been seen so far under Tuchel. We have not have had any of these moments in the games where you know we are under a little bit of sustained pressure or at least, you know, there's not as much clarity on who needs to be where, who's marking whom, etc. Um, so, I mean, this was a complete this defensive collapse within, I mean, within a few minutes after, even after Christensen came on, it was not, we were not comfortable and that was surprising to me. Uh, I thought we had enough quality on the pitch to still, like, have enough counter-attacking opportunities and get another goal and just settle the game. And we certainly had some chances with uh, Reece James, uh, you know, taking a couple of shots that were close. Uh, I think one uh, just was passed in front of the goal. Nobody was, you know, taking a chance to, you know, tap it in. And the other one, he just hit it straight at the goalkeeper. So, there were chances to still control the game. There were chances to, you know, get that second goal and then, you know, retreat into our own shell. But, uh, yeah, we didn't take the chances. And then we just kept making those silly mistakes. And, uh, I mean, I'd like to say that this is like this is the first time under Tuchel and it's a one-off. But like we've seen with this group of players, this is a common pattern, right? I mean, we've seen this multiple times under Lampard uh, in, in the past two years. So I kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable saying that this is a one-off because this group of players have, you know, displayed these tra- traits multiple times. And that thing about Robert saying that they had seven shots and five went in. I remember uh, a few games like that under Lampard and I think it was the Arsenal game uh, where they had like two shots and like both of them went in and we ended the game 2-2. So, yeah. I mean, at home, this is not acceptable. So, definitely we need to improve that. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I, I think for what it's worth, I share the same opinion. There's a, there's no way we should be losing to West Rom, even with a man down. Even... even well, margin aside, but while we're on while we're on the point of West Brom scoring five out of seven shots and all that, um, let's talk expected goals for a brief for a brief minute or so, because obviously expected goals are becoming very popular now, for better or for worse, and the expected goals tally in this match in particular was uh, heavily skewed to in Chelsea's favour, and obviously. West Brom scored, what, five out of one point something expected goals. So just more more as a concept, really. Um, so, so, Robert, do you do you really hold much value in a single game XG score like this? Because, I mean, when you, when you talk about XG, it's meant to, in some part, it's meant to account for uh, outlier results like this. But would you <coughs> say it was much of an outlier overall? I mean... Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, um, would you pay much heed to the fact that Chelsea's XG was actually much higher, or do you think it was skewed by game state? Well, you know, to be fair, um, you know, our XG was what well, I'm looking at understats XG because it's a little more uh, granular than uh, FBRFs, and yeah, sure. uh, 2.56, and we got two goals. Yeah, we probably should have got three out of it. Um, Usually that's how that works, right? You know, you're a little sure. over your XG, and there are five out of what Underset has at 1.38. It's just absurd. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, that's that's an anomaly that that's the case. 
But when you look at their goals too, I mean, look at their big shots. They're all they have four, what point four? Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. God, those are ours. That's so embarrassing. We have four, <laughs> we have four. We had a Alonzo at a point four. We had uh, uh, Zuma at a point four seven. That's that one he put off the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, Timo or Mount with his goal at point four three, and then Polistic with his goal at point five six. So our XG came from four shots mainly, right? That's two right there. That's that's crazy. And they're all right in the box, you know. So we had four good looks. We put in two of them, you know, and West Brom just they had one good look. Uh-huh. You know, that that one that was right at the corner on the right corner of the box. And everything else was just you know, it happened, right? And that when you watch the play, this is one of those things where, you know, XG is great to uh to start with. That's how I've always felt about it. Especially mm-hmm. when you're looking at a one game level. You don't just look at the number and say, well, the XG says blah blah blah. You look at it and you say, well, how do the shots break down? We had some big shots, they had one big shot, they had a lot of little shots. Well then why do they score those little shots? In large part they scored it because our defense just looked a little clueless yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, that one that was the goalkeeper assist. You know, Zuma's spun around. Um Everyone spun around. A couple of the other goals were just letting people come right through, or we made a mistake. You know, Georgina obviously had several of those. Um, so it was just mistakes. So they didn't have great shots. They just had opportunities that shouldn't have been goals that became goals, yeah. partly because of a lucky strike, you know, getting it on target, and partly because we gave them a, a clear alley to shoot, right? So, yeah. You know, like I said, for me, the the XG is all about where do you start. That's how you break it down. I don't, yeah. I don't put a lot of stock into the, the one match numbers as a yeah. whole. So, yeah. no, that's good. I think I think it's important that we get that out of the way because just as um, some some discussion on the metric itself, I thought would be nice because uh, that there's a there's a particular Twitter account that tweets out single game XGs all the time and kind of. Yeah. For, for yeah. uh, I'm not <laughs> saying it's done with a specific intention, but it usually has the outcome of people taking a lot of stock in single game XG. So, yeah, I think I think it's uh, good to have gotten that out of the way. So, on to um, less nerdy stuff, I guess. So, Jimmy, what, what do you do? You think a lot of changes need to be made now? Is it a pers- personnel issue, or uh, or do you think it's just like a blip in Chelsea's? Otherwise, excellent runner farm on paper. Um, well, the thing is here, there are, there are a lot of points to that, if we're completely honest. Um, first of all, before getting into the players, there were people that were blaming Tuchel uh, after halftime for taking off Pulisic. And there were people that were turning, it's, it's so silly to even say this, turning on him after one game, you know. You know, there was a lot of there were a lot of critics of Lampard at the end, but it took a while. You know, for example, I was also in the camp where I said, "Yeah, okay, it's it's time to uh, change things up. It has to go now." It took a while because it was already last season. And I said, "Okay, there are our deficiencies." He has a summer, not a complete one, of course. That has to be said uh, to address this and uh, just give it time, and we'll see how it develops. So Tuchel's been in the job for oh, a bit more than two months now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he certainly can't be attributed to this, this red card. I mean, that's it's, we can even discuss if that's a red card. It's not in my books. I mean, the, that, I'm not going to say that our loss yesterday was all on the referee. It wasn't. But nevertheless, it didn't help because the refereeing was disastrous. That one challenge that on Timo Werner in the uh, West Brom box, you can get. You have to give a yellow card if you're going to give a yellow card for Thiago Silva. He didn't actually go into him. He was trying to block the shot. I, I don't know. It's, I, I I think that was that was harsh to give him a second yellow there. Then again, someone of his stature and with his experience shouldn't be going in like that. If we concede the goal, then we concede the goal. But for crying out loud, you're not allowed to go in like that if you're already on the yellow. So it's it's that is a problem. But that's not on Tuchel. 
You know, he will. Tr- he he trusts his players to be sensible. You know, of course, he micromanages from the uh, touchline, but those kind of things, as he said, for example, with Neymar, he doesn't instruct them to do this or that in particular when they're in this and that situation. Um, he trusts his players. That trust was maybe misplaced in that moment. As said, freak moment. Thiago Silva knows it a lot better normally, and that, of course, just set up the scene uh, for disaster because we weren't you know exhilarating beforehand in, a, in the first place so I, can't, I don't think we can give too cool blame there he had to take off Christian Pulisic he wasn't happy with that himself you could see that in the video so this it's far too early to point with the thing and say you did things wrong maybe it wasn't perfect uh sub wise uh, you should have maybe taken Jorginho off far earlier but then again you know, throwing in Billy Gilmore into that situation might have been too much. You know, Billy Gilmore is a very mature player, but we have had situations where he was thrown into uh, a game and it didn't go too well. And then there was Liverpool, so it's, it's, it's difficult at that age. So I can understand why he wanted the way, but yeah, no one's perfect. Coming to the players, now that's where my quarrel really lies, apart from the uh, referee, because it's not with Thomas Tuchel. Now, I think it's a humongous worry that Christian Pulisic has been injured again. We would have needed him. He was the goal scorer, the first goal scorer. He seemed pretty alive. Uh, he, he was one of our best attacking options in that half. And, um, yeah, you know, if he's injured, he's injured. But that, that was a huge blow, uh, like in the FA Cup final. And we didn't recover from it. Of course, this time there were different settings as well. Uh, and then Jorginho, the mistakes he made before they equalized that header, that was atrocious. That was diabolical. And I'm a huge fan of Jorginho, but that was anyone, someone of his stature knows header anywhere but there. You know, field inwards where there's an opposing player, I, someone who has got such a sense of awareness isn't allowed to do that. I know that's with the ball at his feet normally, but sorry, that that, that was unforgivable. And, um, and yeah, so that, that, that was um, on the player there. Then we can also make an argument for Kurt Zuma. It had a terrible game. Not something where you'd say, oh, I'm going to trust him there from now on. Timo Werner, poor, 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 poor. Uh, also says as Piliqueta got spun a few times, our wingbacks weren't doing well, although Marcus Alonso tried. So if, long story short, it's on the players yesterday. And there has been shown, as someone already mentioned beforehand, the cracks that were apparent during Lampard's reign have become apparent once again. And this isn't something that is only attributable to the coach, to be fair to Lampard, but also will be the case with Thomas Tuchel. And that is a mistake that's been made by the club that we aren't able to get rid of the deadwood, which has been apparent for four years now. And that's coming back to haunt us, even under Tuchel. And I do think he'll be able to, you know, turn things around after this blip. Um, he said as much. His words were very encouraging um, in the post-match um, interview, as encouraging as they can be in that kind of situation. So, yeah, it's for me, it's on the players. And there are some players that really have to get their s together uh to keep this clean um otherwise they have to go in the summer uh, they have to go it's, it's just not possible to keep them if we want to really change things around and continue with the uh, project that we started building when frank lampard first came in yeah i i, I would agree with that because i um i, I think tuchel's done a better job than yesterday's result reflected, to be fair to him. Um, I'm very much in the camp of yesterday. The result itself was a one-off, but I think it might be something uh, slightly telling in the fact that we have had some subpar performances lately. Like, I know we're winning, but I'm not sure if we're at the level that we actually want to be against teams that play um, well against 
in in the style of West Brom. So it's a uh, it's yeah. I'm you know, I'm definitely not going to lose that much sleep over the fact that we lost five two. It's okay. We've had we've had bad results like that in the past. Um, I'm talking about the Bournemouth games and well, it happens. But just someone you mentioned, uh, Jorginho. I just wanted to get Shiva's take on Jorginho because um, Shiva, I know you're a massive Jorginho fan. So is there anything you want to say in his defense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh... So, I mean, I yesterday I told Ram that, you know, if you ask me this question, what I'll do is I'll put up the, that gift for the pick of, you know, Jose saying, if I speak, I'm in trouble. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I see, look, I know, I mean, I think Jorginho is the player that he is. I mean, there's nothing more or nothing less. We've seen enough of him in the past two and a half years to know that, you know, there is there are limitations to his game. And yes, you've been used in the right way. He can be an asset. But, uh, I mean, is he the way for us? I mean, is is he part of our plan moving forward? I question that deeply. So, and that and that's where mostly, you know, I disagree with people when they, uh, I mean, talk to me about this. Um, and yeah, so that that's where I stand on Georgie. And yesterday's game was bad. Uh, he has just come back from an injury. He hasn't played in a little bit. Uh, you know, so I guess some of it can be rustiness, but uh, we have seen him kind of built under this kind of physical intense pressure and, you know, the Sheffield games come to mind um, you know, multiple times. They've just basically shackled him completely, you know, just put some physical pressure on him, put a striker on him, and then he's completely invisible in games. Yesterday, all of the heavy lifting was done by Kovacic. I mean, he was just receiving the ball, he's moving it forward and he's doing all of the things. Well, Georgina, I don't know how many touches he had yesterday, but I think in the second half, he had like very few, maybe like 10 or 15 at, mo- at most uh, for the time he was on the pitch. And that, that's just not acceptable, right? I mean, how do you how do you get your most attacking players to be higher up the pitch and not coming back, especially when we're, you know, a man down? If if the midfield player is not doing his job of picking it up and just passing it forward or, you know, just keeping it moving, you know, better way. Because all of the heavy lifting was done by Kovacic yesterday and that was a problem. Uh, as much as Kovacic is an excellent player, he is also prone to giving it away sometimes. And yesterday's game was probably like a complete high-risk, high-reward kind of a thing uh, for the whole time. Uh, while he was playing in that position. So, I don't know. I mean, it was not an ideal game by any means. But I I kind of feel that that was my main complaint yesterday. Um, and I thought that he should have been taken off at the halftime. But apparently, Pulisic got injured again. And that's, that's just... It's weird. I mean, every manager is trying to play him into form. And then the minute he gets into some kind of a form, he gets injured. And how do you build a squad around somebody like that? That's a good um, point. That's a very good point. And if you can't rely on somebody being fit, then you really can't. I mean, you cannot build a squad with the ideal depth. You can, you end up having one extra player, and then that that extra player is often unhappy because he's not playing while the while Pulisic is fit. And then when he's not fit, you know, you don't really trust that extra player. So it's kind of adding that unhappiness into the squad if you don't if you don't trust players to be fit. And and then say whatever else about. Uh, other guys like, you know, Timo Werner. He's always fit and he's always available. Tammy is mostly fit and always available. Um, I mean, you kind of have to think about these things when you build a squad. And going forward into the summer, we have to make this decision and understand how we handle this, you know, attacking midfielder situation where we have everybody underperforming this season. So, and uh, how do you build a squad for next season where you can be sure that everybody who's at the club will be fit and ready to go, they'll actually adapt to the Premier League and contribute in a meaningful sense. So, yeah, I mean, that that is something I think you have to make a call between certain players. Um, I think, I think you, you, uh, that's exactly my opinion, as I already said beforehand, this, this is the, this is the time this summer there where we really have to say, okay, are we going to keep them or not? Uh, I think this is a crucial summer. We said it last summer. It seems as if every summer is crucial. But I think, yes, last year was the opportunity that we just missed, unfortunately. But that's just the way it is. 
Uh, I think one interesting question that should also be asked after yesterday, and please do say, guys, if I'm uh, reactionary here, because I'm not saying we should do this, but it's something that has people calling for it. Is it time to change formation? Because we knew that three at the back was something to, you know, steady the ship. Um, Tuchel doesn't exclusively use it at uh, PSG. He was using a four at the back, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at the end of his tenure there. So is it time? And I will ask us into the round. But before we do that, we're just going to take a quick break. And we are back. So I posed the question just before the break. Should we change our formation? Uh, Robert, you, I think, are raring to have a go at this. So, please, what, what do you think? Should Thomas Tuchel consider changing the system now? I personally don't think we should. I think we played that our wing backs far enough forward, especially when we're using Alonzo and James, uh, that we've got the attacking options. We've shown that we can put out the XG. We can create the opportunities. We're just not scoring. Um, and I don't think adding an extra attacker, we might adjust our scoring a little bit, might boost up some more opportunity, but I think we're going to lose you know, a lot of defensive responsibility, especially with the midfield that we have in terms of, of defensive capability, such as Conte being injured again. Um, I happen to like the three at the back, like I said, especially with the wing backs as forward as they are. You know, we, we've seen Alonzo's got a lot of strength there. And James, James actually led the team yesterday in shot creating actions at seven. So he's, he's putting it in. My question, though, and my concern, I really should say, and I was looking this up while we were having the last uh, discussion, is I want, I'm not a big fan of Kurt Zuma against pressure. I never have been. Um, I don't like him when he is getting hurried to pass the ball. I don't think Mendy's great with it either, and I think both of them together, it, just, it makes it that much harder on the midfield to get the ball forward, as, as Sivo was talking about. Our midfield already struggles with that. When our, center, when our center backs are also struggling with it, it just makes the ball sit that much deeper. And I was looking at West Brom's pressures. They're fifth in the league in overall pressures, and, uh, and fifth in uh, midfield, th- or sixth in pressures in the midfield third which is right where we were really struggling. And I think part of the problem, and I'm, I'm not going to excuse Jorginho, he had a terrible game, but he and Kovacic had trouble getting the ball, and I think our center backs had trouble getting the ball. So we really got bogged down in that first 30 minutes before we saw the red card. And, you know, I've got a question too, Cole. He, he rotated out Rudiger. He rotated out AC, who's been doing great. And we had that nice, smooth kind of, feeling from the back five, if you will, uh, you know, count the midfield pair. And I just never felt that same comfort level right off the bat in that match. Um, so I, I wonder if maybe we shouldn't have rotated everyone out. We wanted Silva in. Of course, he gets a red card. Uh, and now he's probably going to play in the Champions League match because we can't play him in the Premier League for a match, which just exacerbates it. But I think if we're going to play the three at the back, we've got to play it with the right uh, players. I don't think Zuma's that player. Um, that's the short mm. of it. Yeah. yeah. I but I like the formation. I mean, before this match, we conceded one goal, really, in what, 14, 15 matches? Yeah. So, I mean, defensively, we're fine. We're creating plenty of opportunity in terms of attack. We're just not scoring them. You know, that, that's that's the talent. That's the, the players, not the tactics, in my opinion. Uh, no, I totally get that. But of course, if you lose a game against one of the least potent scorers in the league, being managed by Sam Allardyce, who doesn't care about scoring goals, and it, he ships five, I think, of course, it's it's absolutely normal that question marks arise. So I, 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 it sounds silly because only one game. I totally get that. But we've been building on our defensive solidity as well. We're not scoring that many goals. We're having problems, but at least we're not letting them in. And after not conceding for such a long time, getting, you know, conceding them five immediately against such a poor side on paper, it's just a shocking moment for any fan, I think. And uh, you start to question 
reality. <laughs> so it's dangerous to need yeah. her, though. Of know? course, of course, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah, one isn't allowed to overreact, and I'm sure that Thomas Tuchel won't do that. Nevertheless, the question is an interesting one because a lot of people uh, are very knee-jerky on Twitter, and uh, it was a point of discussion. So, Siva, what do you think? Um, before I hand it over to Ram, yeah. um, well, do you think? Do you agree with Simon? Stick to the three-four-three, or should we venture into other formations? Mm. No, I think this is the perfect interim formation and like most of the players in the squad are comfortable with it. I mean, at least the defensive players and which is really the, uh, you know, the foundation upon which Tuchel has built his house. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think right now we need to change anything. Uh, it's just that the players cannot like come out and play like this in the next game. They, I mean, there's just no excuse for like not performing to the level that is needed and playing at the intensity that is needed in the next game. So, the formation right now, it does not need to change. But in the long term, I definitely question how you fit in all the players that you have, all the attacking players that you have into this into this formation, where you play at most three attackers. Uh, and, I mean, while Alonso, Reece James, Silva, are, are all great at getting forward, but... It's not about that, right? I mean, you have to maintain your squad balance and you have to ensure that everybody gets minutes. And I don't think, I just don't think you can get, you can ensure that. I mean, right now we're seeing Tammy suffer and being left out of the team completely. Um, so, and while on the bench, you have like three attackers. Um, and I mean, how long can you sustain that? So, I, I question the formation purely because the squad is overloaded in the front. And this formation overloads the team in the back. So you kind of have to make that call at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is my main major concern with it. Apart from that, three at the back is great. I mean, Conte, when he, start, I mean, when he started using that, it was like a complete left field formation that completely changed our league. I mean, Premier League has not been the same since that season. Everybody now uses three at the back to get out of tough spots. You know, to get out tough runs of form, you see it across all the different teams that they've done this. So, the formation itself definitely not a problematic formation. You can implement it to be very attacking or very defensive. Uh, it's just that the way that the personnel that we have doesn't fit that formation is my question. So, yeah, that that's where I stand. Yeah, uh, I for as well as I. I think you two have said all there is to say on the formation. It's it gets the best out of the players that we have at the moment, and it builds upon a solid foundation of defense, which which was a bit of an issue on our Lampard. And for what it's worth, I, I do see Tuchel moving forward with this in the long term. So I think it's here to stay. So uh, might as well start liking it. <laughs> but on a on a more serious note, just to move on to the next topic. Uh, I'm going to draw upon something that you mentioned while you were talking, Shiva, which is basically Tammy Abraham. Now, he hasn't been fit, um, or or so it seems, for the last few weeks. But in this game, make no mistake, he was fit and simply left out of the playing 20. And um, not the 18 that uh, Tukul seemed to mention in his post-match interview. Uh, so... Personally, I think leaving out Tammy Abraham is a highly unnatural act, and it doesn't doesn't make much logical sense for me. I can understand why why they'd want one striker on the bench, um, given the kind of substitutions they might have to make. I understand that part, but I don't think Tammy Abraham should be left out of the out of a twenty man squad. I, it's not even an eighteen man squad anymore. So. I just wanted to know, I mean, and, and while we're at Tammy, do you, it, so I guess there are two parts to this, so the, I'll, I'll just put the first part to Simon. Do you think Timo Werner not taking a shot from a pretty good position was a lack of confidence or just very, very optimal decision making? You know, I, I jokingly put it on Twitter. Uh, I still... Uh... A shot from 
the the Sterling Archer cartoon show that just had little column A, little column B. Um, he looked he looked like he would take the shot if he had to, but he would prefer not to in that moment when he passed it to Mount. That's the one we're talking about, right? The assist. You know, I, I looked at it from what I watched and I saw. I hope someone else so good. There's Mount. Yeah, I can pass it. You know, and and uh, yeah, he looked uh, he looked apprehensive. Um, I think he still would have taken the shot if that was his only choice, but I think he was preferring to pass it to someone, and that's concerning. Um, on, on your topic of Tammy, yeah. to briefly add, um, there's got to be something that Tuchel just doesn't like. I don't know what else would be the case. Um, there's got to be something he's either doing or not doing that, that Tuchel doesn't want him to do or not do, you know? Um, I know the guy's got a lot of work to do in his game, but he does get into good positions, whether he scores them or not. He does move well. He does, you know, get involved. So, you know, and I'm, I'm always a big fan of taking shots, even if they lead to blocks, because those are follow through, you know, follow up opportunities versus, uh, you know, getting a shot on target is so much more important than than having a lot of close shots that go out of bounds, right? And Tammy's good yeah. at that. So, and we, we are struggling in, you know, any chance to get goals, right? So, I know he loves Tammy's, or Timo's speed, but, you know, at what point do we uh, you know, need to try something else just to take a break, so. Yeah, and there's also a small matter of the fact that um, our top scorer... So, uh, I'm I'm just saying, just putting it out there. But, he, <laughs> well, Shiva, do you share that take? I mean, do you think, um, since we've kind of led with Warner, um, let's say let's say there's something that Tuchel yeah. doesn't like about Tammy's game, but do you think it's really worth leaving him out of the squad? And do you think Warner deserves to be starting most games? See, I mean, I like Timo. And I, I mean, I definitely get that he was really not looking forward to shoot at all in the game yesterday. Like that that run he had, I mean, where Brana got injured and went off. Like, you know, just he got into the position, he's in the box, he could have shot across the goalkeeper. And like he throwed, tried to win the penalty as opposed to just shooting. Um, and then that that's really not the way that you want your strikers to behave on the pitch. Like, you know, they need to take those shooting opportunities. Um, so... I think you need to get the guy who is going to actually take those shots and take those, um, you know, take those decisions in the box. Um, and while Timo has done well in terms of his assists and, you know, winning penalties and all that, uh, I don't think it's enough for us right now. Um, so, I mean, it's not like he's a particularly creative player, but I mean, he does do well in terms of like crossing with his left foot. He does that well. Um, yeah. But... I mean, that's not enough, and that's not what we need right now. We need people who are decisive in the box, take shots, be assertive, and, you know, yeah. make runs across the back line. And Tammy is the guy. And and Giroud is also the guy to an extent, yeah, in the sense that, you know, as long as you're parked in their half and you just start, like, peppering the box with crosses, then you should, well, you need to have Giroud or Tammy in the, in the box because these two guys, I mean, they can put themselves about, they make those runs. Jude in particular loves the near post tap-in or header kind of thing. So, yeah. you do need those people there. And uh, I think Howard's can be that guy. Um, but, um, yeah. So, I, I haven't seen him attack the near post as much, but I think he does uh, attack the far post for, you know, headers and all. So, yeah. And then when Timo does not do either so that that is where i see an issue with the composition of the front three right i mean how do you balance uh creative impetus speed I mean, pace and behind and also somebody who takes shots so i don't think tukal has found the right front three at all sure. so yeah i mean sure. multiple uh, games the reason why we have struggled to make any impact in the attacking half is because the front three are kind of incompatible with each other right so yeah I think that's I where that. we need to find a balance. Uh, I think yeah. Tammy would help with that balance. Uh, I think you play Tammy and a combination of Havertz, Mount, Ziek uh, around him. Mm -hmm. 
and Werner obviously also can play there. I mean, as left forward when Tammy is there. But uh, yeah. in this three four three, we have to see. I mean, can we have two players who like not really going to retain the ball as securely? We can have yeah. one, but two. I don't think we can do that. So yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, just Jimmy, quickly um, before we move, before we move on to looking ahead, a quick. Um, a quick vibe check on Hakim Ziyech. He's been getting more minutes recently. How are you feeling about him? He he really started like a house on fire at Chelsea, but then I feel like that's um, worn off a little now. So how are you feeling about him now? Um, before I get into it, just to say one thing, because I think it's quite interesting. Um, Frank Lampard never was able to find a back three. And Thomas Tuchel was at the moment having a problem finding a back, uh, a front three. I think Frank Lampard also had a problems finding that attack because he rotated a lot. Then again, it still seemed, I don't know, more coherent in that sense. But defensively, it was a, a shambles. So it's quite interesting to see the problems uh, that emerged uh, for each coach. Uh, but um, yeah, Hakim Ziyech. Now, I said this already on the podcast and I'll say it again. Despite us getting Timo Werner, one of Europe's hottest properties in the striking position, Kai Havertz, a generational talent, or two to, to, to be one. Uh, so that's great and everything, Thiago Silva, everything. I was the most excited about Hakim Ziyech because it had been ages that we had a left-footed creative player in our team. To be completely honest, the last one was... Uh, Juan Mata, and he wasn't really a wing as such. I mean, I know we played him often on it, but he didn't shine as much as in the 10. So last one was Robin, and we know that Hakim Ziyech has got one hell of a left foot on him who can whip in those crosses. We saw it partially yesterday and also in before the international break. But I don't think he actually, you know, hit the ground running as much as people like to portray it in the first stages of the season. He had some good moments, but there wasn't anything where there was a consistency where he was continually getting racking up those goals and assists as he was doing at Ajax. Of course, there's a time, you know, a period of of getting used to the Premier League. This acclimatising isn't easy. You can see that with all our players this year, apart from Thiago Silva. Um, But I don't know. Thomas Tuchel seems to really rely on him he despite Ziyech often you know running around before that Atletico game where you thought he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't seem happy at all he doesn't seem as if he feels comfortable he walks a lot it has to be said you know that tracking back is the pressing is something that he only does half-heartedly he gives the ball away too often far too often guess yesterday again to be honest and you know the only snag the only good thing for him is that more often than not, that happens in the opponent's half where we are, you know, comfortably can sit back and then absorb that pressure uh, after being sloppy and losing the ball uh, while the defender hasn't got that luxury. So that covers up a bit for him. But he loses the ball far too often, in my opinion. I haven't got stats to back that up, so correct me if I'm wrong. That's just my personal feeling. Um... He's just, he's not fulfilled the promise that he had at Ajax. And I'm not writing him off completely, but if things, you know, aren't as good as they were initially, uh, you know, the vibes around Tuchel, it flattens out a bit. And then we get a win, then we, you know, or two, and then we have a draw, then maybe a loss and all that. And, you know, it's going to be a normal ending to the season, not that, where that hype that we had then I can see Hakim Ziyech gradually phasing himself out because he just doesn't seem as if he fits into the system that we're playing. Tuchel ball, I don't know. Yes, he scored that crucial goal against Atletico. And I really want him to come good. I I really do because as a player and what he brings to the table, I think he could be an absolutely crucial asset uh, for us. But I don't know. It, It just... Doesn't seem as if it's it's, it's it's a good fit at the moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's yeah, why. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, but, please do. Yeah, I kind of wrote about this, I mean, a week or so back, where I saw that, I mean, uh, in terms of using the ball a lot, like Hakim Ziyech is right up there with like Bruno Fernandes and uh, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So, like that's 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 the territory where he's operating on, you know, in terms of how much he loses the ball and how much he uses the ball. But uh, if the output is not there, if the shots are not coming, if the short assists are not coming, then we have to question his place in the team. Um, so, and that that's really the end goal here. I mean, I think he can be as impactful as Bruno is for United in terms of like providing that, you know, incisive long term long passes and you know, into runners, he's really good at that. But uh, you have to get in the ball in the right areas and you have to kind of like distract the team opposition away from him so that he can have that little bit of a time to pick out that pass. Um, so you kind of have to set up to do that. Um, I don't know if we are setting up to do that. Uh, and I can see why Tuchel would want him to succeed because is kind of the ultra-creative guy where everybody else is, you know, they try to play in tight quarters and get those one-twos off to do something creative. While Hakim is somebody who can create from a distance, right? He can be dangerous from a distance. And that yeah. is a desirable attribute to have because when you're playing, you know, sometimes a little bit on the counter when you want to have people who can just spring people, you know, running in behind, um, you, need the, you need that in the team. You need that variety in the team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I want him to do well. I really like him. I liked him when he was at Ajax. Um, but uh, so far, the signs are not great. Uh, the physicality of the league, I don't know if he's able to adapt to that. If he, if he can't adapt to that, then, yeah. yeah. We have to take that call in some way. I've got a few stats for you, Jimmy, if you want, on uh, Ziyech. Very fitting at this moment after... We've heard mine and uh, Siva's opinion to it. So add, of course, yours then, uh, I mean, after bringing up those stats. Yes, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about him briefly after the stats, but I was just looking these up while you guys were talking because you said you were curious. As far yeah, as yeah. players that have played, um, he's our second worst passer in terms of completion percentage, uh, better only than Tammy. And, you know, Tammy's a forward, right? So... ZX is at 73.7% on the completion rate. And he is literally our worst long ball passer at 44.4%. 52 out of 117. It's mm. those are those are terrible numbers. Um, but what's crazy is you then go down to shot creation. Um, I'm using FBRF here for these. Uh, Cal and Ziek are both over four live pass shot creating actions per 90 and the next closest person's uh mount at 2.6 so he's creating opportunity he's just not doing a lot else you know and that's kind of the problem right i mean i think tuchel wants him out there because you know we need those uh we need we need the opportunities but you know as far as actually putting in the shift it's just not happening um that's way too 73 percent for an attacking player is dreadful, right? Um, that's just bad. Um, you know, he's only doing 14.9 uh, press attempts per 90. You know, someone like Mount's doing 21, Jorginho's doing 19, Conte is doing 19. So he should be doing a little better there. It's not terrible, but it's not bad. But but yeah, yeah. the the passing is just is just yeah. off the chart terrible. Yeah, I mean that I mean, he's missed 150 passes. In 10 matches. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much... I mean, the case for and against, uh, you know, Hakim Ziyech is pretty much that. I mean, he will take those risks and uh, you will get those short attempts. But uh, unless you're really optimizing those risk-taking uh, decisions, then you're not getting the best out of him and not getting the best out of the team. And I think in Callum, you have a simple answer to this particular problem where... You have a player who's actually cleaner on the ball, who's good at retaining it under pressure, uh, and is a really good passer as well. Uh, so it's weird that yeah. he has fallen out a little bit. I don't know. I mean, down the picking order for the past few games, 
uh, I hope is back in contention again to support to. You know, and also on, on ZX, I, I watched him a bit at a AX he was at, right? Just to not get him confused. And yeah, yeah. they were so dominant that it, I'm sorry, but it's easy to, a lot of players had ridiculous good stats on that team, right? And uh, And when you've got players, you've got attacking players who are simply that much more talented than the defenses you're going to see in the Eredivisie, it's easy to build to pump up your uh, creation numbers, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he can target the ball. We all know he can target the ball if it's going in the box. But that, to me, that just says that he had a lot of of those uh, surplus opportunities, right? I, I always felt his numbers were inflated, personally. And I, and I think it's proving proving out here in the in the PL. He's struggling, right? Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. For what it's worth, his um. His open play expected assists are still quite high. I mean, he, he does he does get through a good amount of creative work in the Premier League, one way or the other. But I suppose the whole debate is, as um, as Shiva said, he's not going to have the same opportunities as Ajax did against all the other Eredivisie teams. Um, turnovers in the Premier League are um, are very very real, unfortunately. So, just on that note, uh, moving on from the ZX, from the ZX discussion. Uh, we will talk about Porto in a minute after a very short break. Welcome back, and for our final section, we will look forward to the match against FC Porto, which is, um, as as we discussed uh, on the last episode of the podcast, something that we're looking forward to a lot, simply because we don't make the quarterfinals very often. Um, oh well, in this decade, our record hasn't been great. I'm talking about 2010 and 20, but anyway. Uh, what do what does everyone think of um, think of FC Porto? Simon, have you? Um, I say Simon. Uh, sorry, force of habit. Uh, Robert, have you uh, have you looked at any of Porto's numbers? Um, caught oh. any of their games? I've watched a couple of games. Uh, yeah. I've watched a lot because it's hard to it's harder to find, right? Were you checking um, on our I... boy Malangsar? Pardon? Were you checking on our guy Malangsar? <laughs> no, no. Actually, I, I was trying to early earlier in the season, but lately I was. Like, I caught the Juventus match, right? Um, both of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to catch some highlights of some other ones just because I was curious. You know, I didn't expect us to play them. I hoped we did. But what's what's kind of crazy, and I'm looking at it right now, it, obviously they lost the, the second leg to Juventus when we all, I think we all watched that, or we all should have if we didn't. It was yeah. a heck of a match. Um, but they didn't they didn't need to win it, right? So, you know, you, you put an L in the in the box, but... It's not really an L because they won. They won the two rounds, but if yeah. you look at their match history, the last time they actually lost a match was October thirtieth against Pacos in league play. Okay. Yeah, and they've had a, they had a run where they had three draws in a row, but it's you know it's four. It's what four, oh. ten, twelve, sixteen, seventeen. They've had twenty wins since the last time they actually lost a match. Mm-hmm. And now we all know that the, you know the Portuguese leagues a, a weaker league, but and they're, and they're, they're a solid league. team, right? I yeah, mean, they're yeah. used to winning. That's the thing. Yeah, they expect to win. Yeah, that's right. So it's definitely, definitely not going to be um, an easy game. Although it is what we would call a favorable draw, and we don't usually get many of those. So absolutely, um, and and if you look back since. Uh, since January fifteenth, they have not scored more than two goals in a match, which is also something good for us. Oh yeah, especially you know, with that's, um, that's especially with number. the way we're playing now. Yeah, you know, we don't want someone yeah. that's going to come in and try to put goals on us. We don't need that. We need someone that's struggling to score. So yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But I think that that is that is the wrong assumption there, Robert. I mean, you get you get guys like McGoldrick who suddenly turn into prime. <laughs> Ronaldo, when they play against us, like you don't want people who are struggling to play against us in too well. I mean, they, Listen, they I, are, would, I would like to demand some respect for David McGoldrick on this podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I knew you would say that. It's just that it's it's a point worth making because we are yeah. the ultimate slum busters in this world. I mean, yeah, Pentake as well. Um, so yeah, we like we pass a lot of the slum. That yeah, just did. Did. that was 
my god that was horrible <sighs> that was that was very bad are you um are you feeling good about the game do you expect us to i mean to be fair given the way we play we could definitely do with a side that isn't very high scoring so do you think it's going to be um it's going to be a classic tuchel shutout um wrap it up in the first leg with a 2-0 win and then it's kind of ride out the second one yeah i i mean i don't know i mean they're really tough to beat uh, yeah. they don't want a lot of the ball um I think in the champions league like they on average pass uh make around 280 passes per game which yeah. is like not a lot um mm-hmm. so that's they, one jorginho want... roughly anyway yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah so I mean, they don't want the ball uh we like to keep the ball in a defensive nice little u shape uh for the most part and then you know try to make an opportunity mm-hmm. so it, it's a game set up it will be a little bit like an attack versus defense and since both legs are being played at the same venue you kind of don't really have that feeling of home versus away i mean even if you go shen even because there's no crowd there's still no home versus away advantage so yeah i mean i i think the key will be in us snuffing them out early uh high up the pitch so we need our center backs to be really strong in the challenges um you know they we have to be brave and we have to play higher up the pitch you know yeah. uh because that's just how tukal has played in the champions league at least against atletico and uh, so i think we will be brave and we'll play try, try to play higher up the pitch so the onus falls on the center backs and the two midfielders to actually be strong in the challenges you know keep winning the ball back not let them have like too many counter attacking opportunities so we need to smother them uh yeah. we need to keep the ball a lot and you know luck falls away you know we'll have we always have super sub giroud so <laughs> i am yeah. looking forward to a panenka kind of thing i don't know i mean <laughs> is this going to that goal was his atletico was ridiculous in the first yeah, game so it was it was something Definitely. out of the ordinary happens and we get a narrow win to go into the home quote and quote yeah. like yeah oh uh, yeah i love that um either way i think i think we will enjoy it. just enjoy enjoy being there and also hope to win not just enjoy being there because it's porto yeah um, third jinx it third jinx it no no i'm i'm not jinxing, jinxing it um jimmy now that <laughs> now that we've got all the good stuff out of the way about the game um are you excited are you excited to watch the boy malang um well i've got a feeling he won't be playing If I'm completely okay. honest, I don't know. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's a big if if he does play. I put him still in the UEFA Youth League. I mean, I know I guess that has been cancelled. Yeah, it's so, been cancelled. Yeah. I read somewhere that he's been demoted to the Porto B squad. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, really, I I was not aware of this development. That's very interesting. If that is yeah. true, well. The boys are alone this season. Not a lot of standouts, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a lot of standouts. Um. Ikayo Tomori. And yeah, yeah, and and a, and a humble mention for Ek Agbo who scored another goal today. But yeah, I won't, I won't turn this into a lone roundup. Well, <laughs> um, I, I guess Malangsar is probably not much of a, not much of a, not much of a factor in this game then. But well, if he is Ram, and I, I okay, said this, yeah. I'm just to add this, just yeah. to explain myself here. Uh, I can't remember when we were on uh, the uh, Mrs. Ms. Raman's uh, YouTube channel, the other side of the coin, a few weeks back, and there was the question that was posed: Will you be angry if Malang Sar scores, for example, this 90 minute? I don't know. It, not it doesn't have to be 90 minute, but just a winner against Chelsea in the game this upcoming thir- uh, Thursday. Oh my God, no, we're not Europa League. My God, no, <laughs> uh, Wednesday, Wednesday. <laughs> Ooh. Wash my my mouth was so. I mean, um, it's certainly Thursday for us in India, so yeah, it's yeah, fine. It is, okay, yeah. that's what I was trying to aim at. Yeah, okay. Um, no. Um, if he does play against us, then I want him to give it his all. I know this might, you know, sound weird for a few Chelsea fans, but think about it. Do you really want a player who will only play half-heartedly against you because you're his parent club? No, you want to. have him give his best performance against us make it an introduction hello stamford bridge hello chelsea 
this is me i'm on your books and i'm here to stay i want to push for uh, a spot next season i mean he's a left-footed center back that's always something that we've craved for a long time um he's not particularly virgil van dyke but you know left-footed center back would really be something grand so yeah, I want him to play well against us. I do. Just maybe not score. If it does, well then... I'd rather have the goalkeeper score a winner than him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just... I mean, an own goal I, I, it would be also good. But, you know, the only situation maybe 97th minute and they have a corner and he scores. Yeah, that might sting. But yeah. generally, I think it's silly to expect him to play poorly against us. That isn't very professional. He's a professional. He's paid to play football and do his best for the club he's currently employed at, and that is FC Porto. And that's just the way it is. If it really does come down to uh, us losing at, to the ha- at the hands of Malang Sa, who isn't necessarily a goal scorer as it is, well, then that's on us, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I, okay. I think that just has to be said. I just wanted to add that because that was... Uh, in, in, important point i wanted to also uh, or i added uh, with miz and i think that's also something that people should keep in mind because otherwise we're going to have post-match reaction threads if that were to happen it is a slim chance yeah. thankfully and it's an audition, have- right? <laughs> i remember i think Kotwa played against us in the that semi-final that we got yeah Kotwa played quite well yeah. against us and he did. really like he really played well and he yeah like he pretty much like killed petachek's any, yeah. I mean, any chances of him being Petrček being any longer the yeah. first choice at Chelsea. So, I mean, that was great. That yeah. pretty much told what we needed to know. So, yeah. exactly. I don't, I don't think it's. I think it's important that the player give his all, and I mean, it doesn't matter if we are partially paying his wages or anything like that, because the play team is playing for is the one that he's representing that season, and you want that professional, right? And you want that mm-hmm. desire to, you know prove yourself and get into the team. So, yeah, and I don't know, I don't think he's been doing particularly well over there. But uh, he was an interesting pick for us. Uh, it kind of went back to those old days of us signing Hector, uh, Michael Hector and had me as the Good old days. Christian, <laughs> Christian Atsu, more like, because he was Porto as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one. Yeah. So, yeah, so well. it kind of went to those days of like us signing players exclusively for the loan army kind of thing. And yeah. taking a lot of funds, you know, he's the first guy we've signed specifically for that purpose, I think. Yeah, so that's I don't true. know if, like, uh, a return back to that trend. I don't think so. No, well, but, I hope uh, not. No. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I mean. Yeah, you're already stretched in in terms of the number of lower league teams you support. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am quite stretched. So, please don't, yeah, don't give me more of those decisions to make. But yes, um, this is uh, We Ain't Got No Podcast and we love talking about Malang Sar. Anyway, uh, now that, now, now, now it's the, well, it's unequivocally the most fun part because whatever, whatever prediction you make, the opposite happens, um, as I have determined from our sample size of one from last week. So, so you know it to be true. Yes. So let's have, um, let's have predictions. Uh, Jimmy, I'll, um. I'll ask you to go first so that people won't remember your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good thinking, good thinking. Um, well, I'm going to go with a draw, 1-1. One, one. Yeah. The guy's playing it safe. safe yep. <laughs> Simon, what about you? Oh, I've done it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's all Robert, good. Robert. Um, um, I, yeah. You know, I, I worry about a 1-1 draw, but what I want and what I'm going to hope that, that Tukoloi pushes for is a 1-0 a shutout. Keeping that, uh, keeping that away goal from happening and giving us just a little bit of edge going into the second leg. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Shiva, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it will be a shutout. I hope it is because like, we definitely need that after Considering five at home to West Brom. So uh, I want a clean sheet and I want another goal. So yeah, one nil. Yeah. Sounds good. I th- I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to go for a 
1-2 victory for us. Um, two away goals because I think they'll score one just because we're a little unsettled at the moment. Um, extremely logical reasoning, as you can see. But I think, yeah, I just I just want to be contrarian, really. So, yeah, 1-2 one, two. One, two win for Chelsea. And that brings us to the end of this episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. It was... It was really fun having community members from the forums back on here because that's genuinely been a very long time. Jimmy and I were just going solo and occasionally having someone come over because we were very irregular since um, since the end of 2020, really. And now it's April. Time flies. Anyway, um, Shiva and Robert. Oh, yeah, I didn't say Simon. Thank you very much for coming on here and... There is absolutely no doubt that both of you will be back um, at some point in the future, um, if you would like to, of course. But we would, we would obviously love to have both of you back. So, yeah, it, it was it was great having you. And Jimmy, I hope, I hope uh, our predictions. Well, well, I hope your prediction doesn't come true. But then you <laughs> you, you play it safe because the opposite of a draw is a draw. I think. Yeah, I'm very so, superstitious. Yeah, yeah so. And yeah. I, I, just to add this also, guys, thanks. Discussing this, even though it was a tough task to talk about that showing, it was kind of a tonic, you know. It helped come to terms with what happened. And, of course, just to tell our audience, at this point in time where we recorded this, at least Tottenham dropped points. So that's <laughs> something that's good, you yeah, know. Good point. And Man United are losing, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I love Brighton in its own yeah, way. Not as much as Chelsea, but, you know, I just don't trust them. So I'll be, I'll reserve judgment there. Um, but yeah, so it was great having you guys on. Thanks. And yeah, thank you. Love that. Love, love the discussion. Yeah, it's, it's been a, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I mean, it's great to have I me mean, be back. And hopefully I won't turn on the Man United game because every time I see, you know, that they're losing and try to put the game on, they keep winning. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay well ram take it away sorry for interrupting you oh yeah no worries um well yeah that's it that's the end um see you next time folks uh keep the blue flag flying high and we will be back next week